want to thank you for joining us once again for One Times One. I'm Rob. And I'm Sue. And we are the Parkers. And so today is episode seven. But before we jump into the topic, why don't you give us our non-sponsor sponsor for the day? So I guess I was feeling a little like melancholy today because when I went to grab a mug, I found this mug from Mother's Day as we're approaching Mother's Day that says, we love mommy, and it was everyone's signature from way back when. And I could tell—I don't actually know what year it is. A long time ago. It was a long time ago, but I could tell that this is like a kindergartner, first grade handwriting, and he's currently seventeen. So, it's a long time ago. It's a long time ago. So, sponsored by the memories of years of having four children, five and under. Yes, <laughs> four kids in five years. It actually is a great segue to our topic today. We are going to talk about crisis. It can it has the power to either tear a couple apart or bring a couple Make together. or break it. It's a make or break moment. And so we're just going to kind of go back and forth and talk about crisis. Um, we're going to jump into our first real moment of crisis that we, we had. But before I, I, we jump into that, I just want to say that I think as, as people, we really kind of don't identify what real crisis is. I think oftentimes we look at just kind of life as just always being in crisis rather than really identifying what a crisis moment is. And that's a great point because crisis looks different for men and women. Yes. I, I think, is true. you know, generally speaking, um, women seem to have a crisis situation maybe a little bit more. We feel like there's crisis a little bit more. That's your call. You okay. tell me. <laughs> yeah. I will say that I feel like there's crisis a lot more because little things feel like a crisis to me frequently. Okay. All right. So here's what we want to do. We want to talk about our first big crisis moment as a couple. And then we're going to backtrack and talk about little crisis moments. But I, I think this really does set us up properly. What was our big crisis moment? So it was probably year four of marriage. Um, our uh, oldest son at the time um, went for an eye doctor visit, and it's a very long story, but um, we were told at the time that there was something terribly wrong, and at that point, before we knew what it was, there was the, the word, um, it could be cancer. Yeah. And uh, that was a crisis. Any crisis that we thought we had before wasn't a crisis. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was a big moment. So let's talk about that, the whole scenario. I know you gave it real brief, but mm -hmm. tell us about that day. We went to the doctor. Who, no, let's, who let's clarify. Up, yes. I went to the doctor. That's why I want you to tell us um, the whole story. So when Brandon was three years old, um, I brought him for his three-year-old checkup. And I had mentioned to the pediatrician, we were living in New York State at the time, and I had mentioned to the pediatrician that I noticed that his eye seemed to wander a little bit, like a lazy eye. And she did, you know, the test. And she's like, no, he tracks really well. She said, but why don't you take him to an eye doctor? So I really thought nothing of it. Rob um, had a lazy eye yep. as a child. So we said, you know what, let's just go to the eye doctor. So like I said, we were living in New York state and I thought it'd be a fun day to come to New Jersey because the eye doctors that I knew or pediatric um, ophthalmologists were all in New Jersey. So I and thought when you live in the woods, there's not too many. And there's good not eye too doctors. many doctors. We lived in the woods. Yeah. So um, I thought it'd be a great idea to come to New Jersey for the day, meet the grandmas, have lunch, um, you know, just make a day of it uh, with this eye doctor appointment with a three year old, an 18 month old, and um, a very pregnant woman, being yes. myself. <laughs> um, ben was still, uh, he was, it was a couple 
couple months till he was born. So I thought it'd be an uneventful day. Went for this eye doctor appointment and very soon, I'm not sure if it was because I'm a nurse and I pick up on this, but very soon into the eye exam, I realized something was not right by the look on the doctor's face. Um, he kept looking a little bit more than he should have. And there was a couple of things that really, and I could feel that adrenaline feeling going. And um, from there, it proceeded to be the unknown. Yeah. Um, you need to go see a retinas per person now. You need to go do this now. This is an emergency. And here I am alone, not really knowing what to do. Um, finding myself in this crossroads of our life could drastically change right now at this moment. Because once the word cancer was spoken, that that just you know, kind of did a number on me. And, um, I had to, you know, we, I was in a crisis. Yeah. And this was one of the very few doctor's appointments that you had asked me not to go to. <laughs> I went to almost every single doctor's appointment with you in some kind of capacity, yeah. especially since we had two kids. Um, and so you're thinking like, Hey, I got this one. This is an easy one. Rob had a lazy eye. Brandon has a lazy eye. It's, it's a no brainer. This is going to be a very easy day. Right. Make a day of it. And I'll never forget that day because when you called me, um, coming back to crisis, and you had said that sometimes women see crisis very different than men, and I knew that when I heard Sue's voice that this was a real crisis. I know when Sue calls me frantic, is that oftentimes a real crisis? Okay, so this is just a... <laughs> <laughs> a total sidetrack thing, but I was totally electrocuted a couple years ago. I had been, Rob was away and I had been shoveling this snowstorm we had. It wasn't a real electrocution. This was a real crisis. And he, this is why he's laughing when he says that. And I went, a lamp had broke or there was something not right. And I went to go put my hand to put the light bulb in, not realizing I was dripping wet from shoveling. And I had this, and I was on the phone with Rob and I had this like, shock and it went through my arm and it like threw me to the ground and I was crying and he was laughing because he was like it was not a real like panic sue okay, correct but what did what did Lukey say to you in that moment what did Lukey say because he watched the whole thing unfold what did he say each of our kids had a different response very characteristic of each of their personalities um because they were all home at the time yes except and, for me I was in Colorado except you were in Colorado um Ben walked by looked at me on the ground and goes I'm out and left with his food to go to his room. Luke said, get up. What are you doing? He looked at my hand. He's like, is there anything in your hand? You're fine. Get up. Stop beat whining. So. Okay. And Becky? Uh, Becky was in her room, ignored it. Okay. And Brandon later said, I thought I heard screaming. Yes. So. <laughs> I'm dead. Yes. When I hear the scream like that, not, not that I ever want to belittle that she really was, you know, electrocuted. electrocuted. Um, you know the voice. Men, you know the voice. So when she so, called me and she had this really whimpery voice, I'm like, oh no, something is really, really wrong. And, you know, that day changed the course of our life forever because he did not have cancer, but he has a very rare eye disease called juvenile X-link retinoschisis. And so, you know, we're so thankful that he didn't have cancer because they basically told us that he would have cancer that would kill him. Uh, but now he lives with a an eye disease. He's legally blind and he's overcome everything. He, you know, he's in Every obstacle school. there could be to overcome, Brandon Parker has overcome. Yes, yes. You tell him no, he will find out a way to say yes. But it was a real crisis in our life. And the one thing that I've learned just, you know, being in, you know, counseling, you know, 
do, you know, doing counseling for couples and, and just studying all the time is that an illness or a child's disability is one of the number one causes for divorce. Uh, the statistic is so high of couples that have a child that have a, uh, a disease or disability. And so we knew that we were going to really have a, a fight on our hand and that we knew that this crisis would either pull us apart or pull us together. And I'll never forget that that day, like yesterday, just as you are reliving it right now, I knew that this was one of those days that, that life was saying, game on, what are we going to do about it? And I'll never forget going home after work. I think I actually left a little bit early and I remember giving you a big hug and said, hey, it's okay. It's okay. We will get through no matter what it is. And so we really started a course of learning how to handle crisis properly. So let's talk about how we handled, we're going to talk about how we handled that moving forward, but how did we handle crisis prior to that? Um, I would actually say not well. I would say horrible. <laughs> I, was, I was being a little bit nicer. Um, horrible. I think, um, I think it's fair to say that we both are very passionate um, people. Yeah. And we often joke about we, we love hard, we play hard, but we fight hard. And um, we have really been good with that. We've learned how to really take each other's gifts and personalities and how to work it. But back then we didn't really know. And, you know, the context once again is having small children. We had a lot of small children at one time, which is very stressful. Yes. Very stressful. Yep. And, you know, and our kids were not um, kids that just sat and colored all day. No, we had one <laughs> out of four who would do that. Becky. As a little girl as only, a little girl. as a little as baby a little only. only. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But, but really. That lasted short. Short time. But I think the big problem was this, was that we looked at everything as a crisis, not as a circumstance. I mean, we have circumstances that we go through every single day. And yes, there are some things that are crisis. The car breaks down, you know, car accidents, something happens. Right. There are things that are crises, but when you really are confronted with a big crisis, it's a game changer. And so oftentimes, because we haven't handled crises in the past well, when big things happen, we don't know what to do. And I think it's important to say what we've kind of seen in our marriage through crisis is that the little things I have come to do really well. Yes. The day-to-day -day crisis, um, I've come to handle a little bit better. Is that fair to say? 100%. So before you go on, okay. tell us why you handle the little day-to-day -day crises, because again, there are crises all the time, but, and then there's the big crises. Talk yeah. to us about why you handle the, the, the crises, the day-to-day -day crises really well. The real answer or the, yeah. the answer I should give? I think the real answer now is, and this is really my heart, is that I've learned the hard way what a real crisis is versus a not real crisis. That's the real answer. Okay. Um, but to be honest with you, if I really were to check my heart on this, I think the day-to-day -day stuff I, handle better because I am in control of it. If I had to be honest, you know, I can control stuff at least back then with the kids, like yeah. what the day, the course of the day, what it was going to be like, it was in my hands to control the little things. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think when it comes down to it, to me, perspective of crisis has really been a huge part for me because I know what it's like to live in that place where you look at yourself in the mirror and say, will I ever feel any joy again yeah. after this 
And now, so the little things to me, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And for me is I'm really bad with the with the little crises that don't mean a lot. The little things that happen, the 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 moment with a broken down car or conflict with a person, those are the things that really throw me off. Because you want to fix it. Because I want to fix it. And you can't fix those little things sometimes. I can't. I can't. But the big things, I, I actually handle like, great. Pretty amazing. Yeah, it's, he's, almost, he's good. it's almost spooky, the divide from the little crises to the big crises. And that's why even like during, you know, COVID for me, it's like, hey, we're going to get through this. No big deal. Let's just plow through. And everyone's like, what? How, what do you mean? The world's whereas, coming to an end. Whereas week one of COVID, I had an isolation room <laughs> all planned. I had, we had every PPE you can imagine because we were ready. Stacks of saltines, ready to go. Gatorade. Gatorade. Gloves, masks, 95s, N95s, K95s, surgical, cloth. Whatever it is. Filters, we had it all. We had it all. But but for me is- And that's the control. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and I do think, this is where I think that's important for us to talk about. So much of how we handle crisis- is how we grew up in crisis. So, so tell us a little bit about your background, why you probably handle the day-to-day well. I think for me, um, if anybody knows my background, I grew up, um, and we kind of mentioned it, but I was an only child. My father passed away when I was 17 months old, so I was raised um, by a single mom who had a very wonderful um, extended family, uncles, grandparents that were very part of my everyday life. But for me, I think um, that was always weighing on me, right? Yeah. And I actually grew up with a lot of fear of of that. Fear of sickness, fear of death, fear of a lot of those things really played on me. So when things are not that, I feel like I can handle it. Um, but when those questions of health stuff come and and that kind of impending doom, that's when I start to lose it. So when you think about the C word, what do you think about? Death. Death. And so anytime you hear the C word, what do you what does your mind run to? Death. Death. And, mm-hmm. and so it's very interesting to see how God brings couples together. So I grew up in just a crazy house full of boys. I mean, we had seven there was seven Parker brothers, and then an eighth one came into the picture who was a cousin who became a foster brother. And our everyday life was so chaotic. Nothing ever seemed to kind of play out the way that it was supposed to be. And so for me growing up, if I had anxiety, it was in the, the anxiety in the everyday, the little things, the little stupid things. And so for me is I never... Just everything was always kind of a double checking, triple checking. You know, it's it's almost like when we leave the house, I would say, is the door locked? She's like, we, we locked it 12 times. Like, is it this off? What, the, you turn off the lights five times. And it's the little things. But I also grew up in a house where out of all seven Parker brothers, each of us almost died. Mm. Each one of us had a near-death experience. So when I was in second grade, I was hit by a car in Allendale, New Jersey, and it almost killed me. That was one of the things. When I was 15 years old, I had to have both my knees operated on. That's another thing. When I was 16 years old, I had kidney stones at the age of 16 and was put in the hospital. That's another thing. When I was 19, 18, I had a water slide accident that ripped out my tricep. And then when I was 20-something years old, I had a spinal injury that they actually thought I had MS, which I don't have. I just have spinal damage. And every time that I went through these big events, I always knew that they were going to work out 
because when you grow up in a home where one brother drank paint thinner on accident and didn't die, another brother fell out of the car doing going 40 miles per hour in Ridgewood and didn't die. <laughs> another brother was a preemie and didn't die. Another brother had such bad asthma that he couldn't breathe and didn't pass away. I had a brother who had SIDS and my dad shook him back to life. So whenever anything big happened, it was like, oh, it's going to work out. But and was, for me, though, really, when you look at, like you said, your every day was chaotic. Yep. Mine was controlled. Yours was so controlled. I had such control. I, paint thinner? Why would a kid eat paint thinner? Because it was on the ladder. It shouldn't have been on the ladder. I know. Like, <laughs> and so for us, the, the everyday little things were just so chaotic. I mean, imagine being in a room from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed with seven boys. Seven boys. No. And so for me, is no. the, the controlling the everyday has always been very difficult for me. But the big things, it's like, hey, God's got this one. And so we've really been in the struggle of learning the opposite. Which has been so good, though, that we are together and have that difference, that I can handle those everyday things. We can make it work. And when there's the big things, you have to step in. Yeah. And, and kind of guide me direct, say, hey, get your eyes over here. This is what we need to do, you yeah. know? Yeah. So w what happened in the beginning of our little crises, we fought a lot. Like, I, I think that's important for us. The people see us now like, you guys never fight. Of course we fight. We're human. Um, but we did fight a lot. But when the big things happened, we started to say, okay, we can't look at every crisis as the end of the world. And when you look at Brandon's situation alone, not you know, let alone my other, our other kids' situations, because every one of our children have had a serious medical situation. Mm -hmm. But when you look at Brandon's situation alone, I mean, he went under anesthesia over nine times, nine or ten times. We we had some. He had one surgery where the doctor wouldn't even tell us what he did. He said because it would make us sick and we would vomit. And so we really had to learn like we can't look at a crisis as singular. We have to have the big picture. And perspective has been a really big thing for me. Like I get choked up even thinking about know, it because I, um, it's perspective. You know, it's, I think as a young couple, you have dreams and visions of what life is going to look like. Yeah. And when a curveball comes, you don't plan for curveballs. No. You know, they're going to happen every, every, we live in this fallen sinful world. We know that crisis is going to happen, but you're never prepared. You know, and I think that was something that we had to learn Okay, so now we have the crisis. Now how do we handle it, right? Yeah. What are we going to do? And I remember, you know, that day I came home, I remember it like it was yesterday, and, and all I needed from you was that it's going to be okay. I just needed to hear that. Yep. That was it. Yeah, and just like for me is in my, my own insecurities and my own, you know, just anxieties, knowing that you are present in the every little day really does bring us closer together. You know, last week we talked about um, retreating, heading to the mountains. And that was something that we really talked about last week when we were together. Like, how do we keep helping one another in the big crises, but also in the small things in the everyday? And I will say, when it comes to certain things, you are so much better at being present for me than I am for you. Um, I, I do think it's important, though, as we're talking about this, that we have to help people see the big picture, the big picture. Like, like, what are some real tips that we can give people in the midst of crisis? Because the truth is for couples, again, like we are in a world of crisis. The pandemic um, right now, my 
Both my parents have COVID. I have a, a parent who's in the hospital. I have another parent who's at home. Right? This, this is real. This is real yep. for for us, for, for our Trust family. Trust me, it's real. It's real. You know, not only on top of that, we have all the social unrest, right? Everything that's going on in, in our country. And even and I think what I love about you is you keep pointing out, like, Rob, this is not just happening in the United States. It's happening globally. Like in India, people are sharing beds, right? They're sharing yep. beds. Hospitals, Hospitals have, they're sharing beds, not rooms, beds. Yep. Uh, I think about even financially, like mm-hmm. I know right now people are spending money like crazy and redoing their houses, but like what happens when everything just kind of collapse? What happens when everything collapses? Like how are we going to handle it if, if something like that were to happen? Mm-hmm. So, so what's like something really helpful for, for our listeners when, when you deal with crisis? Let's just kind of go back and forth a couple of times. So I know for me, you know, what I love about this right here, what we're doing is we don't plan it. Yeah. We don't talk about what we're we going to say. We have a topic and we kind of just both know. But I love because when you say it to me, there's always that thought of in my head going, all right, what is really important for couples? Like it's not planned. So for me, it's listening to the other person. That is a really important thing. Um, I think men generally try to fix things. And just um, not around the house. Just not around that. Well, please not oh, around this house. Me. Please don't I, let him fix it. I don't around try my to house. fix anything around the house. No. Okay. Sorry. We have to put pictures up to cover holes. <laughs> Stop. That might be in the walls Stop. from Rob trying to fix things. Um, but listening, I think listening is really important on both sides. I'm going to react a certain way when there's crisis, and for Rob to just say "Stop it! You're being ridiculous" is is only going to make my anxiety go through the roof. I need him to listen and validate what I'm feeling. Yeah. I think a big part is being present. You're saying listening. And I, and I know some of these things just sound like repeated things. Oh, that's so typical. <laughs> being present. And, and the risk is what I'm saying this is for. I, I think that being present is not only important for, for the couple, but it's important for the kids. Um, I know that there's been reminders of for Brandon, let's just say Brandon, um, of crises that's happened. And he's like, hey, thanks for being the rock. Thanks for being present. Like out of the blue, you know, he texted me this week just saying, hey, just want to let you know I love you. And I'm like, what just happened? What, something, I was like actually jealous. What's, what's the crisis? Like, why did what's I not get cri- a text? What's the crisis? <laughs> um, but being present means that you are able to go through this together. And it's not only being present for you, it's being present for the kids. So let me give you a a quick little scenario. We go away with some friends of ours. Our kids and their kids are all under the age of like 12. We get stung by bees, attacked. That's a crisis. That's a really bad crisis. How many times did you get stung? 33 bee stings. Throughout my body. Actually, 33 bee stings. It was a nightmare. And both of our families, and I just remember that day just being- I I got the most though. I got the most. Maybe not the worst, but I got the most. You you win. You win with the the most amount. But but I remember that day like thinking the whole time like everyone is getting stung. Everything's happening. I'm thinking I have to be the calmest person in the scenario. And it's really hard when you have not only bees outside- but all the bees in the cabin attacking you while your family is in the shower, hiding all together, underwater, all together. butt naked, 
What a scene that was. And there I am, kung fu, karate chop. I was doing MMA on bees before MMA ever came out. It's true. But, but it was one of those things that when we got back in the car, like they all kind of latched on to me. Like I had to be present. I didn't want to be present. Trust me. But I had to be. So he was he was the, the one that was in like present and I'm giving like shots of Benadryl yes. to everybody. Yeah, we're driving down. It's like the movie Hitch, right? <laughs> Drinking out of straws. We drive from Vermont to New Jersey. So one is listening, two is being present. What, what's another one? I think being a united front. Um, during crisis, it's easy to get irritated with how the other person responds. I will be honest with you. There are some times when he is so calm and and acts a certain way during crisis and I'm like can you just be like a little upset I get frustrated with you you know what I mean like because you just I'm like hey you'll say like hey there's no sense worrying about it I'm like seriously you're talking to the queen of worry how can you not worry about this but I think the important thing that I've really learned is we have to be united and I have to be able to learn from you and you need to be able to learn from me but we need to be united as a couple we need to not use this time as a time to find each other's faults and what we don't like about the way the person's handling it but maybe take it as an opportunity to learn something new you know yeah and I think the last one that I want to give is that that there's a long game in crisis there's a long game so we just as a church we started the book of James and so the pastor's coming out of me right now. And, and Pastor Jeremy preached on chapter one, and it's a whole idea of endurance and how it, it says that you will go through hardships. Each one of us will go through hardships. Every single person who watches this or doesn't watch this will go through a hardship at some point. Mm-hmm. We all live, we all die, and in between, there's a whole lot of hardship. But what I love about this whole idea of, of crisis, and this is what we're studying as the plant, is that during our crises, we have the opportunity to really be stretched and to grow and to mature. And not only to be present, not only to listen, uh, not only to strengthen us, but prepare us for whatever's next. I mean, we live in a dark world. We live in a world full of pain. And so when we look at the whole idea of going through a crisis, we have to look at it as it's the building block to strengthen us for whatever's next. It's the building block to strengthen us for whatever's next. And so I really feel like the one thing that you and that really could have ruined us, like I really do believe if we didn't go through Brandon's whole situation, that first one, the way we did, it probably could have ruined us forever. It could have, it could have pulled us apart. And I love that in all of the dumb little mistakes leading up to that one, by the grace of God, we chose that one to say, it's time to grow up. It's time to mature. And it's time to see that God has a bigger plan, even in the midst of a horrific situation. And I think it's important because we don't always, we don't know that plan yet. We don't. Let's be honest. You know, it's not like we had some big epiphany that God revealed to us that, oh, this is why. We don't know that answer. But we really have made it our priority to be obedient for the journey. Yep. And we set an example for our children. We yep. set an example for our children. I will say that's one thing that my parents did really well. Like one thing that your mom did really, really well is she, she gave you that stability in the every single day. She really did. And she really allowed you to say, hey, you know, put your nose to the grind and grind it out all day long. What my parents did really well um, in the midst of raising seven crazy kids is they gave me the big picture that like at the end of the day, 
God's in control. All I have to do is sit under God's control so he can finish whatever this evil world has started to to really try to throw me off course. And so it's been a good journey together. I think that's one of the things that has made me fall in love with you so much is how we've learned to to not only have fun and laugh and, and, and do stuff like this. Like this is the easy stuff. I think what I really, when I really, really fell in love with you is knowing that we can go through anything together. And I saw that in your eyes at the first picnic. I saw how you endured through your grandmother's death and you came out a better person. And I knew this was the person that I wanted to go through life and even crises together with. Any, any last things? Crisis isn't the end. It's the, the beginning of a journey. And I think that's important that we've really learned, right? Yep. That it's a journey. You know, it's not the end all. That's what I always thought it was. But it's it's the process. That's the things that will make the most impact on your spouse, on your family, um, what how you handle those crises. Yeah. Um, it's funny how, like, this podcast brings up so many emotions. Like, I see it in your eyes and you see it in my eyes that sometimes, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I think the great prophet... Uh, Kelly Clarkson wrote that, you know, and so if there's any pain in our voice, it's, it's not pain as in sadness, it's pain as in strength. So here are some tips. One, recognize a crisis is going to happen Two, prepare for it. Meaning don't look at it as a one and done. Look at it as an opportunity to really grow, to stretch yourself, to, to really put your faith in God. Let God carry you through it. Three, be present listen to your spouse in crisis. They're hurting just as much as you are, and they want the answers just as much as you want. And lastly, be present. Be present. Realize this. If you have children or you have people in your life, all of their eyes are on you. They're watching how you are going to handle crisis, and it's going to either disempower them, take away the power to handle crisis properly, or it's going to empower them to handle crisis really, really well. And you know, when I look at this mug, just to go back to the mug, and I look at all the the different um, signatures from all of the different children, I remember this time like it was yesterday. And I can remember that this was a time that there was a lot of crisis going on. Yeah. Um, so this mug is a reminder that the journey might've been hard right now, but we are seeing some of the most beautiful blessings after that journey right now. Yep. Well, some of the most beautiful blessings. So thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining us. Remember, crisis. It has the power to either pull, pull you together or pull you apart. So I'm Rob. And I'm Sue. And we're the Parkers. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs>